You're listening to the Grace Church Podcast, a weekly podcast dedicated to bringing you biblical guidance to life's most important issues. We want to thank you for joining us for this week's message. We pray you find strength and encouragement as we learn from God's truth together. For more information, go to visitgracechurch.com. It's great to be with you today. I want to welcome those who are worshiping with us online or in Olathe or in the venue or the cafe. It's wonderful uh, to, to be here and to celebrate uh, God together, to worship Him together. Um, our ushers have Bibles, pens, and message notes. If you need any of those things all across our campuses, slip up your hand and they'll place that in your hand. They'd be happy to do so. We've been in a series called Exodus, uh, where we've been studying the book of Exodus, and we've been looking through Exodus through this lens, which is the book of Exodus is a picture of our spiritual journey. Let me say that again. The book of Exodus is a picture of our spiritual journey. So if you could imagine, we've been looking at different chunks of Exodus, and we've been taking different snapshots, and these snapshots are pictures of our spiritual life. Now, for you, maybe you've been walking with God for a long time and you can relate to these snapshots. Maybe you're, this is your first time here. Maybe, um, maybe you're, you, you feel like you're far away from God. But all of these, all of these snapshots are pictures into um, our journey with God. And so today is, is no different. We're going to be looking at the story in Exodus chapter 14. You can turn there in your Bibles if you like or find them on your smartphones or tablets. And we're going to be looking at the story of the Red Sea where God parts the Red Sea and the Israelites move from slavery into freedom. And this snapshot in our lives is the snapshot of our salvation. It's the snapshot of our salvation. So I grew up in Atlanta, Georgia. That's where I lived uh, most of my life, actually. Most of my family is still there. And uh, I, I know I don't sound like it. Uh, but if you're from Atlanta, you know how hard it is to be an Atlanta sports fan. And uh, the reason is, it's not because we're typically bad, it's because we're typically good, but we can't win championships. And, uh, and so, like my entire childhood, we won 15 straight division uh, titles with the Atlanta Braves, that's the baseball team there. And, uh, and of that, we went to the World Series five times. Uh, and we won one of them, praise God for 95, because if we, if we didn't, I don't know how I could go on living. I'm just kidding. Um, but, but since that time, which was 20 years ago, by the way, since that time, um, we find a way to lose. Like, we always find a way to lose. And so this past year, when the, the Falcons, the Atlanta Falcons were in the Super Bowl, and they were playing the New England Patriots, Everyone was really excited for me uh, at the Super Bowl parties that I went to. I was at the middle school, then our, high sc- our two high school parties. I went to all of them. And they were all excited because they're like, oh, your Falcons are going to win. Your Falcons are going to win. Because we were up 28 to 3. And I was like, you don't know. <laughs> you don't know. We'll find a way to blow this. And, uh, and, uh, and so and I, in my mind, I was like, we need to score at least one more. It could have been a field goal. It could have been a safety. It could have been a touchdown. And I thought it was going to happen because Julio Jones had just made this incredible catch. But then, but then there was a holding call, then there was a sack, I believe, and then there was a missed field goal. And in that moment, I knew that hope was lost. I knew it was gone. And I knew it because there was, there was enough time on the clock, and I knew the enemy that was marching towards us. Uh, yeah, yes, Tom Brady, 
the devil himself, in my opinion, uh, in sports, um, was marching towards us, and he had destroyed and crushed all of my hopes and all of my dreams, and, there, and Atlanta still has not won a championship. Now, KC fans, you understand hope crushers in your life, right? There was this man, uh, donkey face himself, uh, John Elway, uh, who crushed your hopes and dreams in the 90s. So we're not, you know, we're, we're all on the same page here, right? But hope crushers are not just limited to cheering for your favorite sports teams, are they? Uh, life has its own way and has its own hope crushers, doesn't it? And there are moments in life, in our own lives and in the lives of, of communities and families where hope seems lost, where hope truly seems lost. And uh, this is where we're picking up in Exodus chapter 14, where the people of Israel had these great expectations that they had just been set free by Pharaoh, and they come into a, they encounter a time where it seemed like the dream of freedom and starting their own nation and being this people of God that they were called to was going to end. Hope seemed lost. Does hope seem lost to you today? Does hope seem lost to you today? You know, at least as we talk today, my, my, hope, my hope is that you would think of a time, if, it, if hope is not lost in your life right now, that you would think of a time where it was, where you wanted to give up, where you couldn't go anymore, because this will help us as we unpack this snapshot of our salvation, because that's where we start is in this place of hope seeming lost, because God eventually will become our rescuer. He becomes the hero of our story. So for you, maybe hope seems lost in your job today. I don't know. Maybe it seems lost in your marriage, like you can't go on, like you don't want to go on, like it like you, could, you can't take another step. Maybe it seems lost in your parenting, like your kid is just gone and you have no clue you're at the end of yourself and you don't know what to do. Maybe it's lost in your singleness, like maybe, like is there even someone out there for me? Is there anyone out there for me? Or maybe it's lost in your dreams and you feel stuck today. Unfortunately for my Falcons, uh, there was no rescue plan. It was over, but I want to encourage you today and let you know that hope is not lost. That hope is not lost for you today, and we're going to see and unpack and see how God is our rescuer, how he is our salvation. So would you pray with me? So God, I ask that you, that you would be the hero of our stories. God, I ask that you would, be, you would rescue us from whatever scenario that we're in right now. God, some of us have walked in here feeling like everything is great and perfect, but we're just trying to hold on to a, a picture of what we're trying to be, and really what we need to do is we need to cling to you. And so, God, would you move in our midst? God, would you change us? Would you make us new? We love you. We praise you in Jesus' name. Amen. So the people of Israel were facing this, this, they were at first in an exciting time in their life because they had just been set free from Pharaoh. And it was going great. And, and they were ready for this freedom and all these new things. But opposition was about to come. And here's a point about opposition I want you to at least hear is this is opposition is not a sign of the lack of God, but often the hand of God. Is that opposition in your life is not a sign of the lack of God. It's not saying, hey, opposition is not, not saying, hey, no, God is not there, but oftentimes it can be the hand of God trying to bring you to a place where you rely on him. Trying to bring you to a place where you will finally trust him. It's an opportunity. Opposition is an opportunity to trust God more. And the people are set free from Egypt, but quickly, very quickly, Pharaoh says, 
the ruler of Egypt, he goes back on his word and he says this in Exodus 14.5. He says this, why? Why have we done this? That we have let Israel go from serving us. Why have we let go all of our free work? Why have we just let go all of our free labor? So this is what he does in verse 6. So he made ready his chariots and took his people with him. He brought an army of people to pursue, at, pursue the, the Israelites that were in the wilderness. And instead of coasting their way to freedom, this new freedom, in front of them is the Red Sea, the people of Israel. In front of them is the Red Sea, and there are no boats There are no bridges for them to build. And behind them is their former slave master. And for them, hope is lost. This dream of being set free, this dream of freedom was gone. And this isn't just like a few Israelites. This isn't just like a hundred Israelites. This isn't like a thousand or ten thousand or even a hundred thousand. This is millions. This is, there's over, debatably, 2.4 million of them. That's being generous and conservative. But there's over 600,000 men. And so let's say they have the typical American family of four. So that's 2.4 million Israelites that would have been there. That's a lot of people to move. They are sitting ducks. They're stuck. They're stuck in their trap. And from their point of view, they're not thinking about what God can do in this scenario. They're thinking about what they can do. And they, they come up with about four options. They can, run, they can get run over by a chariot, option A. Wouldn't be a bad way to go. Not sure if the chariot has enough weight to actually crush them, but you never know. Option B, they can fight and maybe get a spear in the heart. All right, that, at least they were courageous along the way. We can fight. Maybe they were a good swimmer growing up. Maybe they were a good swimmer and they could try to swim across the way. 2.4 million people swimming across the Red Sea. Sounds insane, doesn't it, right? Or maybe, you know what, maybe we can just give up, we can wave the white flag, and let's go back into slavery. And that's what, that's what they desire, that's what they think. They say this in verse 11. They say to Moses, because there were no graves in Egypt, have you taken us away to die in the wilderness? Why have you dealt with us to bring us out of Egypt? Moses, did you bring us out here so we could dig graves and die here because they couldn't bury us in Egypt? There wasn't space for us in the cemetery? Is that what that's about? Is this, what, is this the plan? God, is this the plan that you have for me? Have you ever said that before? Have you ever said that to God before? Is this the plan, God, when everything seems lost? Verse 12, they say to him, Let us alone and may we serve the Egyptians, for it would be better for us to serve the Egyptians than that we should die in the wilderness. Let's just go back to being slaves. It's better than this. It could be better than this. When hope is lost, what is your response? When hope is lost, what, what, is, what is your response? Do you complain? Or do you try to take control? What do you do? Israel complains and hopes to go back to what they once knew. This is a picture of my, my daughter, Maisie. And uh, Maisie, she is adorable, thank you. Uh, Maisie is about to be one years old, one this week. And uh, to be completely vulnerable with you, the first six months of parenting were incredibly difficult for me. It was one of these hope seem lost type of moments in my life. I thought, I, like, how the heck do people do this? Like, how can you do your job well? How can you parent well? How can you love your spouse well? How can you take care of yourself? How can you even find any time? Like, this is impossible. I don't understand how people do this. And it made me long for a time before I had, a, I had kids. And it was, it's only been a year, people. It made me, it made me long. And at that point, it had been like two weeks. 
it, it made me long for, but it made me long for a time before I had, had kids. And, and for me, I, I, like I wanted to go back. I wanted to have these experiences and feel the way I felt before I had the responsibility of having a baby. So I try to recreate those moments. I would like stay up super late for no reason. I would, I would like, I would try to like check out and zone. Like when you're, when you're single, you like, you have like so much free time. So you, I try to check out, I like binge watch Netflix at like 2 a.m. or like play video games. I'd even like go out late at night to like go to the store or go get food just because just I could, because I wanted to recreate these moments of like lack of responsibility. And what happens is, is when hope seems lost, I, b- I believe this, is that, that we, we look back at our perceived better. We have this picture of the past that, that the grass is greener back there. We have this picture that, that if I could just return to what once was, then everything will be okay now. Or at least it wouldn't be as bad as it is now. You know, we have these Uncle Rico moments. Uncle Rico from Napoleon Dynamite, he's the uncle that is famously known for saying, if coach would have put me in, we would have won state. We have this picture of the past where we glamorize it and we think it was better than it really was. What is your perceived better? When hope seems lost, what is your perceived better? What do you wish to recreate or what are you trying to recreate? But here's the truth of this is that we are believing a lie that back there is better than really that back there is just familiar. That back there is just familiar. It's known to us because the unknown is scary. Are you trapped today? Are you stuck Does hope seem lost to you? Let me encourage you with this thought that hope is not lost, but maybe you need to look somewhere else. Maybe you need to stop looking back and maybe you need to look what is in front of you. God is using what is around you to bring you to a place where you look to him and to him alone. The Israelites' options that they put out there were not good enough. They weren't God's plan for them. They weren't God's story for them. It was their own and they were trying to fight it and they were trying to force it. And we live in a blessed society and a community that if the, if the answer to the, our hope problem, we, we think that we're smart enough. The answer to, the, to our hope problem, we think we can find a way. And you know what? Our pocketbooks, our, our, our wallets are big enough. You know what? We think we can find a way. And if not, you know what? We can ignore it enough. We can numb it enough. We can, we can, we can put it to the side. But here's the reality is that eventually we wake up from that numbness. Eventually the money runs out. Eventually the intellect, your intellect runs out. And you're still standing and you're looking. And the Red Sea is still in front of you. And guess what? Your slave master and all of his army is still pursuing you as well. He's right behind you. So what must we do when hope seems lost? What must we we do? We must look to the promises of God. Why? Because promises quiet fear. Promises quiet fear. When hope seems lost, this brings fear. And the way that we quiet our fears is to live in the promises of God is because God always keeps his promises. And this is how Moses responds to the people in verse 13. He says this, do not be afraid, stand still and see the salvation of the Lord, which he will accomplish for you today. 
There's a rescue plan that is in place, and guess what? It's not next week, it's not tomorrow, it's not a year from now, it is today. Salvation will happen today for you. For the Egyptians who you see today, you shall see again nevermore. You don't have to see these slave masters anymore, that's going to be gone. Verse 14, for the Lord will fight for you, you shall hold your peace. And there's a God that is on your side that will fight for you. He's fighting for you, and he can offer peace to you in the midst of fear because promises quiet fear. For the Israelites, they needed to know that God had a, he had a plan. They needed to know that they, wouldn't have to, they were not going back into slavery. They needed to know that God would fight for them, and guess what? He did. He did. But here's the thing is, is when I know the promises of God, I can believe them because God always keeps his promises. But sometimes I don't, I don't believe them right away. Like, have you ever had a hard time believing a promise of God? Have you ever had a hard time believing the promises of God? There's a movie that Pixar made a few years back. It's called Up. And uh, Up is a, is, a, is, a, is a story about a boy named Russell. That's my name. Awesome. And, uh, and, a, uh, and an old man named Carl. And uh, it's a story about how Carl finally doing something that he's wanted to a long time, a dream of his a long time, that he wanted to do with his deceased spouse. And, uh, and I love their first interaction. So Russell is a wilderness explorer, and he needs a, a, a badge basically helping the elderly, right? He needs to help the elderly. And so he goes and knocks on Carl's door. He says this, Good afternoon, my name is Russell. I'm a wilderness explorer in Tri-54, Sweat Lodge 12. Are you in need of assistance today? The, great, the greatest thing is he's actually reading from his wilderness explorer manual, right? What does Carl do? Throws that door right in his face. Doesn't even hesitate. Doesn't say anything. Just close the door right in his face. Russell doesn't give up because Russells don't give up. So he knocks on the door. <laughs> he knocks on the door. He says, good afternoon, my name is Russell, I'm a wilderness explorer at Tri-54, Sweat Lodge 12. Are you in need of assistance today? With so much joy and excitement, waiting for a response. What does Carl do? Slams the door again. Russell, being smart and keen like he is, like Russell's are, right? He puts his foot out, he blocks the door. Carl, frustrated old man, shakes his head, opens the door again. What does Russell do? He says, good afternoon, my name is Russell, I'm a wilderness explorer at Tri-54, Sweat Lodge 12. Are you in need of assistance today? And finally, they begin to have a conversation. Carl begins to open up a little bit and have a conversation. Now, the reason I'm telling you this is, is this is because knowing and believing the promises of God are different. Knowing and believing the promises of God are different. We can know the promises of God. Many of us know the promises of God, but we don't actually believe them for ourselves. And when we don't believe them, promises can't quiet fear. Fear just still reigns. And the issue is, is that, 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 that we need to hear the promises of God over and over and over again because fear has made us like that old man. Fear has made us like Carl, that when we hear the promises of God, our first response is to believe and see the fear run away. Our first response is to close the door in the promises face. Our response is to close the door in the promises face. You know what? No, that's for someone else. I've heard that before. That's not for me. Maybe for another time. No, thanks. I'm not buying that today. So what are you afraid of? What promise do you need to hear today? What fears do you have? And let's be honest. If, you, if your answer is, I don't have any fears, you're a liar. <laughs> I mean, you're just lying. 
You're not being open with yourself. If you were really honest with yourself, if you went a, a layer deeper, what fears do you have? What promises do you need to cling to, to hold on to, to say over and over and over again? Be like Russell and speak those things over and over again. Maybe it's this, is that, hey, that you're a loved child of God. That you are a loved child of God. Do you need to hear that today? That you are a loved child of God. Maybe it's this, is that you're, you're forgiven. That you, you're forgiven. Like, I don't know what you did. I don't know you. I don't know your past. But hey, you're forgiven because of the blood of Jesus. That Jesus has forgiven you of all unrighteousness, of everything. You're, for, you're forgiven. Maybe it's just that, hey, you're never alone. God is always with you. I don't know how lonely you feel right now. I don't know how alone and separated you feel right now. But let me tell you this, is that he is always, always with you. He is always with you. He is always with you. Promises quiet fear because we know who made the promise. God always keeps his promises because God comes through. This is who he is. This is what he does. God comes through. Exodus 14, 19, it says this. And the angel of God who went before the camp of Israel moved and went behind them and the pillar of cloud went from them before them and stood behind them. I love this because I've never seen this emphasized when I talk about the Red Sea before is so we always talk about the Red Sea as God parts the Red Sea, which is miraculous. It's a miracle. It's amazing. But the people of Israel, they were guided by this pillar of cloud that would take them all throughout the wilderness. Cloud by day, pillar of fire by night. And this thing would guide them along the way. That pillar is in front of them, leading them to the Red Sea. And then once they get to the Red Sea and the army is pursuing them, that pillar goes behind them. God parts the Red Sea and the pillar, which is the presence of God, stays back and protects them from the Egyptians. He went before them and behind them. God doesn't deal with just one of the problems, the sea. He deals with all of our fears and all of our problems and everything. And he protects them from their enemies as well. Verse 21, then Moses struck out his hand over the sea. And the Lord caused the sea to go back by a strong east wind all that night. And made the sea into dry land. And the waters were divided. In all the places where the Israelites could have feared God comes through. And in all of the places where you could fear, where hope seems lost, God comes through and he will come through. Our response to God's work is to believe. Our response to God's work is to trust. And for the Israelites to trust, that means they had to walk. They had to walk forward into the Red Sea. They had to walk forward away from their slave master into the Red Sea, into freedom. Verse 22, so the children of Israel went into the midst of the sea on dry ground, and the waters were a wall to them on the right hand and on the left. And they believed God, and they left slavery for freedom because they trusted God, and we know they trusted God because they walked. God came through. And when God comes through, our response is belief or trust because rescue follows belief. Rescue follows belief. We are rescued when we believe. Verse 27, it says, So the Lord overthrew the Egyptians in the midst of the sea. They saw their slave master crushed by the sea once they all went through. Verse 30, So the Lord saved Israel that day. 
out of the hand of the Egyptians, and the Israel saw the Egyptians dead on the shore. They were saved. They were on dry land, waiting to go into the promised land. And here's the thing. It is entirely possible. It is entirely possible for, for God to have parted the Red Sea. He could have parted the Red Sea. He could have protected them from their enemies. And the people of Israel not be rescued that day. It would have been entirely possible for God to part the Red Sea and for him to protect them from the Egyptians and for the people to not be rescued that day. What if they didn't walk? What if they didn't go? They would have missed out on the rescue plan of God. They would have missed out on the rescue plan of God. They, they, could, they could have still waved the wife like, no, let's go back to Egypt. Let's go back to slavery. Let's go back to where we once were more. But no, they believed and they walked. And it is entirely possible. It is entirely possible for God to have come through in your life in a major way, in a miraculous way, and for you to not be rescued. Because you haven't believed yet. Because you haven't trusted yet. Because you're still holding on to control. Because, because you're still holding on to another way. Or maybe you've waved the white flag and said, I'm done. But what if you trusted today? What if you believe today? What if you asked God to part the Red Sea and he did and you walked today and you trusted today in whatever circumstance you're in, whatever Red Sea that is in front of you, Exodus 14 is a picture of our salvation. It's this snapshot of our salvation. Now there's this eternal salvation, this eternal rescuing that happens that we get to spend time with God forever. But there's this ongoing rescuing where God is trying to create to you, to, to make you into this new person, this whole person, and you're gonna cross Red Seas along the way. Has God parted Red Seas that you're not walking through? Has God parted Red Seas and protected you from enemies and you're not trusting yet? And you're not trusting yet. Maybe today is the day that you begin to trust God and you take your first step. But you know what? Maybe you don't know God. Maybe you're here today and you've never surrendered your life to Jesus and, you're, and your life now, hope seems lost. Hope seems lost because you were made to live walking with God. You were created to be in relationship with God and there's a God-shaped hole missing from your life. And you try to fill this hole with several things, but you can't deny it. Something is missing, and if you're really honest with yourself, it's actually frightening to you. It's actually scary to you. It frightens you because you can't find the solution. And you've tried, and you've tried, and you've tried because hope seems lost. But let me tell you, there is a promise that quiets fear. And God promised that he would send someone to make us whole, to bring us close to him, and to fill in our life what is missing. And we know that God keeps his promises, and he did 2,000 years ago. He kept his promise, and he sent his son, Jesus, who lived a perfect life and died in your place. And he rose again so that we could spend eternity with him. And he, he, he came through. You know what God's rescue plan was? God already came through, but we are rescued once we believe. We are rescued once we believe. Have you believed that today? Have you believed that today? I was six years old. I was driving in a navy blue Chevy S10 on the way to my grandma's house. 
I was, my dad was on my left, my brother was on the right, and I asked, I remember, I, I said, I want, I, want, I want to be saved. I want Jesus to rescue me. And if you're here today, you can, you can ask God to rescue you, and guess what? He will, because he has already come through for you. He has already come through for you. All you have to do is trust him. Would you pray with me? So if you have not surrendered your heart to Jesus, let me encourage you right now. Just cry out to God. Say, Jesus, will you rescue me? Jesus, will you save me? Jesus, I believe that you came and that you have a plan for me and that hope seems lost in my life. And I believe that you came and that you died and that you rose again so that I can spend eternity with you so I can have purpose and wholeness in my life today. Jesus, I surrender my heart to you. I want to follow you. Surrender your heart to him right now. Lay down your life to him right now. Ask God to rescue you, and guess what? He will. All those who call on the name of the Lord will be saved. And if you're here today, and, you, and God has parted red seas in your life, and you're waiting for a miracle, maybe God has already done the miracle, and you need to walk through. Would you be obedient? Would you believe? Would you trust what God has already done? And would you take a step of faith today? God, I ask you to move. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you for listening to this week's message. If you have questions or would like to contact us for prayer, please email us at info at visitgracechurch.com. For more information about our ministries, location, and service times, go to visitgracechurch.com.